This episode is made possible by our generous patrons. Episode 128 of the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And this week we finish our coverage of the 2018 novel and 2020 HBO series, The Outsider. All right, here we are, James. Another Stephen King project coming to a close. Uh, We read the second half of the novel. We watched five episodes of TV. We got a lot to cover here. Um, I'm really curious to know what your thoughts are on it. I mean, I'm so mixed I, this is one of the most mixed projects i think uh that that we've covered for me okay and i feel like i might be maybe reacting a little rash and irrational but i don't know i just finished it uh last night mm-hmm. and i i don't know it, it's like i finished the show last night and then read a ton of the book to finish it up and so like i have so much going on in my body right now and in my brain so uh i think we should react to it um do you want me to give you like a little bit of something right now or do you want me to I think hit me with it man. I mean I think we're we're okay. full spoilers from the jump here because we're we're coming in to the end of this thing. You know, we've given all of our general thoughts in previous episodes. People I think know where we're at with this thing. Yeah, hit me with it. I'm going to start with the show because that's what I experienced first. My number one thing with this is it should not have been 10 episodes. And you were picked up on that sooner than I did. I think I was really forgiving in the first half mm-hmm. with like sort of when we were around like episode three, four, five. Um, I was into it because I was excited about Holly. I was excited to see if like they could do something that maybe wouldn't necessarily be in the book, but if it would be like adding some good like context and some texture. And I think really what it what it comes down to for, to for me is it just feels like a filler. It feels like filler episodes. Mm. And, you know, there are, I think, I think to say like entire episodes are just, are just filler is, is obviously an over-exaggeration, but because there are things I think that they thread in to make it feel like, like the plot is being moved forward. Yeah. Um, there, there are a couple additions that I really enjoyed. Um, I thought that the, the thing with the mask um, at, at the sort of uh, carnival or whatever they were at, where, right. where the creature was like, couldn't wait anymore. And came, I thought that was cool. I like mm-hmm. that. And I think that was a cool interaction. But then I feel like for the next like episode and a half or two episodes, they just lingered on that. And it's something that they put in the show, I think, to add like another little bit of tension. And then they just lingered on sort of like, who is this person? What's like, why, you know, when clearly I feel like they've all figured it out at that point. But um I don't know. I feel like I'm starting to ramble a little bit. I feel like it's going to be one of those episodes. <laughs> and it's interesting that you say mixed because I, I think I'm mixed too. And um I'll, yeah, I agree that that there was some some f- sort of filler in there. I mean, it, it, I mean, one example of it I think is pretty clear. And, and I didn't hate the scenes. Is the thing you know what I mean? Like, I don't think anything that was added was bad. It just didn't always advance the plot, like you said. Um, well, it w- and it looked good too. And that's the yeah. other thing is that, that I want to say is it looked great. Like, yeah. I think the direction was solid. Most, I think, I think there's good, definitely good acting going on. I think Mendelssohn's great. Yeah. I think that uh, Holly, I can't think of the actress's name right now. Holly's great. Um, 
but there are but that's i'm saying all of this barring the finale i want to talk about the finale almost separately than the rest of the show yeah yeah and i don't want to touch too much on the specifics of different episodes until we get there but i will say to back up your point there was an episode that is mostly people driving in cars um at least half the episode is like a travel log and you know there was some actually good character moments so that's the thing like i don't hate the scenes but Anytime you have a situation where characters are going, oh, we got to drive to this from this location to another location, and then they spend like all this time in the car talking, to me that feels like like you're spinning your wheels a little bit. Like, yeah, it's just it's just driving somewhere. It it shouldn't be that interesting. Uh, I I don't know. Right, and and it's just clearly like you can see like a writer's room being like, all right, we got to fill a couple more episodes. Like, how do we do it? Oh, they're traveling in cars, talking, good conversation, dialogue, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. So, so, and I do want to say, want to preface all of this stuff also by saying, I think I would be more forgiving if the first two episodes weren't so good, because I think the first two episodes were were really solid and set me up. Of the show, not not of this half. Of the show. Gotcha. Of the show. Show. I'm sorry. Yeah. The first two episodes, which uh, you know, whether it's to to do with Jason Bateman being the director on those episodes, I don't, I don't think so. I think Mm -hmm. it's just like very. Well, that's my favorite part of the book too. I, I think. Exactly. I yeah. think even in the book, it, it's it's the best and strongest part. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of that going on. That being said, like if it went episodes one and two, and then you condense like episodes three through like, I don't know, seven or eight into like one episode. <laughs> I don't know about one, but yeah, you condense it down some for sure. Condense it down. If there was, I, I'm convinced that if this was six episodes, I would have liked it a lot more. Interesting. But I don't know. So, uh, for the book, um, I want to touch on a, a problem that, and I want to focus on it because we're going to focus mostly on the show and do some light book comparisons, but I want to highlight an issue I had with the book. And that was, it felt to me like I needed to have read the Bill Hodges trilogy, I guess. I, I actually don't know. It, fe- it really felt like there was so many references to pre- a previous book that I didn't understand. Um, and on one hand, I'm like, that's fine if you want to use this character and kind of fill me in. But it also kind of felt like spoilers for those books. I was like, what if I wanted to go read that book and now I've had it spoiled for me because I read The Outsider? Right. That's that's what I was surprised about. When we found out that Bill Hodgkins is his name, I think. Hodges. Is dead. Hodges. Yeah, Hodges. When we yeah. find out that he's dead. And, you know, maybe it's not really that big of a spoiler if you know what the story is. But, like, just hearing that a character that's seemingly important is dead I don't know, feels feels like a spoiler. Uh, and yeah, I was surprised at how much I was like, in, in a way, I want to go read the books. But in a way, I also kind of feel like just like the the, the context of what we've gotten, I kind of can envision what that happens in yeah. at least a couple of them or, you know, yeah. one of them. Well, it sounds like some sort of maybe body hopping kind of creature uh, was was in that book, too. Or, or maybe it could possess people or something. I don't know. I mean, it sounds interesting to me. And we have an investigator. Right. We have Holly Gibney, who I like as a character. So I'm interested in those books. I just kind of wished I hadn't had them spoiled for me by Stephen King himself in this novel. I wonder if you had read that trilogy going into this book, if you would have just been like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, like getting probably. all the references and stuff. Like if it would have been like amazing for you. And he, and he knows that probably a huge percentage of his audience, I mean, not all of it, obviously, but probably... 60 70 percent of his readers are reading like the books as they come out right and so maybe you know a large chunk of people that's who he's speaking to like his core fan base who's been following him book in book out and that may be the case um but for people like us who are just dipping in you know at random spots 
it's it's tough and anyway that's not a problem in the show because they don't they don't even really touch on any of that um but i just thought it was interesting that that was it, it kept feeling like this impediment to me like like oh I, I kept feeling like i wasn't part of that story and that kind of sucked like I, I wanted to feel fully invested and, and it felt like it felt like it was saying like if you haven't read that you don't really know this character that well um I don't know. It, it was it was kind of a bummer. I have something that the show does do that I think is weird slash interesting, and like I want to get your thoughts on it. Mm-hmm. But there's this. It, it sort of is trying to lean into like as, as the book did. It started trying to lean into this Stephen King universe, the skew as we called it, or the skew. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just like it, it felt like a lot of the time they were like trying to to sort of use the rest of the universe as a crutch kind of like they kept being like oh there's more out there there's there's uh, what else is out there like I, I just like i know they're trying to potentially set up a sequel season or something um but it feels weird to try to like reference i i think some of the times it's done well in stephen king adaptations where there's like little easter eggs and things that you can pick up on for the, the larger universe but it felt like in this case they were kind of like all of you have seen it, right? Well, we're we're kind of like threading that into the <laughs> underlying message of this of this book of this show here, um, because it was so massive and everybody saw it. I think that Stephen King adaptation, like kind of being, I don't know, drawing a lot of parallels to, and you know, I think the book already on its own, the source material does kind of have parallels to Pennywise and and it, but I felt like the show was like you guys have seen it, right? Well, like this show because you've seen it. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I had a different read on what I think they were trying to go for there. Um, I can see how you would read it that way. I, to me, it seemed like the there's a, there's a theme that gets brought up in the book of the universe uh, being endless, right? Um, I forget the exact phrase. Um, Holly talks about it as something that Bill Hodges said right before he died that... Um, and this is this is a thing that they were talking about in actual science is like they think that the universe could be infinite and that it might go on and on and there might just be endless numbers of other even parallel universes out there if you just could go far enough. Um, it's definitely kind of mind bending to think about and sh- and and I love the way they link that to well if that's the case and in inf- if you really think about infinity, then like how could how could we understand everything that's going on? Um, and so that was sort of what I, it it was this tension of, we had Ralph being this very grounded, unwilling to believe character and how he, his journey is becoming more believing in the supernatural and the, the possibility of things beyond, um, the rational and the concept of there's so much more out there we don't understand, I think is is speaking to like the possibility of ghosts, the possibility of an afterlife, the possibility of a god. And this is a character who is being open to those possibilities by the end of the show. And so I think they were referencing more that, like, like um, maybe there is a spiritual universe. Maybe there are creatures out there, but maybe there are also angels maybe there were also maybe maybe you when you saw your son it was actually him and they talk about that in the cemetery you know and and i guess that's what i what i felt like they were going for more was like that sort of opening of the mind to uh another form of reality not necessarily like the stephen king universe you know what i'm saying right i mean yeah and i get that i think i think you're right like there's there's moments where 
you know, I think nearing the end, Ralph and his wife are, are kind of at the grave and they're talking about like, we, you know, when you die, like maybe we'll go see him or whatever. Yeah. Like we'll... And now he can actually believe that because of this other thing. Right. And I, I get that. I think it's like more the overt, not, maybe not the specifically the, sent- the, the, like, the conversation that I was talking about before with like what else is out there kind of thing. But, like, the overt, like, clearly connected to the Stephen King universe stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, in, in other books, we'll get something where it's like, oh, there's a crazy car out there. And you're like, okay. And you're like, oh, there's a killer St. Bernard. And you're just like, all these things are... Yeah. It's a St. Bernard, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, the I, I, I felt like they were... Uh, I felt like maybe there was some of that going on that maybe... And, you know, maybe it was just me kind of reacting to the rest of the show and, and putting, putting that on the show. But it just felt like some of that stuff f- didn't feel as natural as usual. I think it's fair. I, I, I think it's a fair reading of it, you know. Um, I do want to touch on some feedback we got, since this seems like a, a point to, to, to bring this up. Um, we asked sure. in our last episode if um, people found the Macroverse stuff to make Stephen King's universe any less frightening um, because it sort of shines light on all this stuff and makes it more understandable in a way. Um, and we got a, an email from one of our listeners, uh, Silas, um, and he wrote in and and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase. It was a, it was a, it was a in-depth email, but this is just a little bit I'm going to give here. Basically he says, no, um, he doesn't feel that it affects how scary the villains and monsters are in his novels. He says here, without giving spoilers, the dark tower series permeates almost his entire catalog in one way or another. Much like how multiple King slash Bachman stories will use the same location or share characters, parentheses, Towns of Derry, Castle Rock, Maine, Holly Gibney, or Dick Halloran, the Dark Tower series tie-ins are there for the readers in the know, but are usually subtle enough to go unnoticed by a casual fan. So it, it sounds like the reward of being in the know and like these little hints of like, hey, this is that thing you've heard of, um, just pulls it all together in a way that it, um, is really rewarding. And it sounds like, at least in his opinion, that it doesn't lessen how frightening things are. I would be curious to know if anyone um, disagrees with that. Please write in and let us know if you're a King fan who does find it to to make it less frightening. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we had someone write in and, and sort of clarify that for us. Yeah, I think it's interesting because like, you know, there is a certain reward to it when you when you know the reference. You're like, I understood that. And like, you get it. And it feels like this sort of interconnected web Um I also feel like I I'll be reading a, a King story and and I'll see something that I don't understand the context for. Like they'll they'll mention something like I think in this book they mention I can't even remember what it was at this point. But basically something's mentioned that clearly like I don't have it's it's like a word like it was like a I wish I remembered what it was, but it was basically like car or like or like a, a like a just a short name or something. I think some of the, some of the time like I'll pick up on things that I don't have context for where I'm like that's probably a reference to the rest of the larger world. Um and like, you know, because it doesn't like interrupt or it's not jarring or in any way. It's just like I'll notice it and be like maybe one day I'll understand that. And I think that that's <laughs> kind of like what he was describing there. Sort of like once you see the matrix and you understand from the dark tower, yeah. you can you can sort of like as you're reading along, you're like boom connection, and you like draw all these parallels, and it's that's cool. I'm I'm excited to get to that point. And I then think. the other thing I'm thinking is that feeling like you have bought into the world of Stephen King, like his version of reality is something that you are immersed in, and so you want 
you want every new book to be a piece of that reality. You don't want it to be this outlier, oh, this book isn't connected. Like You want it to all be part of this thing that you know so much about and you know the inner workings of and you're seeing pieces of this larger puzzle and you're feeling like you're learning little tidbits about how this works and what sort of beings are out there. So I can see how that would be rewarding if you're really an in-the-know reader. But that's a fine line to walk because King also has to appeal to people who are just picking this up and reading it as their first Stephen King novel. Um, in that sense, I feel like this book kind of struggles because of all the references through Holly Gibney to previous books. Um but let's not harp on it much longer. I want to move on. Um, I do want to touch on a couple things that uh, I noticed that we kind of got wrong. Um, so kind of corrections. Um, one, I think last episode we said that we thought it was um, the taxi driver who had gotten scratched. Clearly it wasn't. It was the the bouncer in both cases, book and show, that was the one who got scratched. So we got that wrong. And then I also mentioned that Holly Gibney was sort of the... Um, person of color, tropey character that Stephen King has been accused of, of um, he often has people of color be be sort of the mystical helpers and, um, you know, famously in The Stand or in others, um, he's, he's done this. And I thought this was another example of that. And I thought it was weird that he would just so blatantly do it. Um, but Holly Gibney in the book is not a person of color. It's only in the show. So I think that was interesting that it got that they introduced this trope um, into the show, um, maybe not even realizing that Stephen King has taken a lot of flack for it over the years. Um, but it, and it's yeah. funny enough that in the book that's not the case. So I didn't even is it mentioned in the book that that I, what race she is because I don't even I, I don't even remember. It's not really. I I think. I think she's described as being pale at one point, which is a signifier to me that that's usually not a word okay. you would use. Um, it, it's very, it's, it, I mean, often with books, you know, authors will choose to not really describe people's races um, so that you can right. kind of fill in the blank. Um, King typically is not one of those writers though. Usually if someone is a person of color, he, he highlights it. Um, and that wasn't the case for Holly in the book. I was kind of paying attention for that. Um, and unless I'm completely wrong and I misread it, which I'm open to, um, I just didn't think. So anyway, I, I don't know what all that means other than to say that it's interesting that they sort of added this and, and you know what I mean? And it's good. Like you want more representation. It's just curious that they chose the sort of mystical helper. Um, I wonder if somebody's falling victim to this, this sort of, uh, uh, damaging trope that people have highlighted that, um, you know, these characters often show up as either sacrificial characters or characters who are there to be sort of mystical helpers. Um, and again, that's kind of what that's kind of what Holly is here. Yeah, I mean, that is interesting. Like, clearly, it is something that King has done historically. And so I think like, you know, now you would think he'd be aware of it. And seemingly he is. And then, yeah, it's just it's funny that they, they introduced that. Yeah, I wonder if it was like sort of intentional to like, like draw comparisons to the shining or something like that but you know and there are lots of other characters they could have they could have done that with but they chose holly yeah i don't know anyway let's move on i i you know i don't want to linger too long on this but i, I just thought it was noteworthy um so we i have a lot more to say about specific things that happen but i think to get into that let's start getting into uh, episode summaries so that we can engage with it um as it happens yeah let's do it um so the first episode that we covered this half was episode six. It's called The One About the Yiddish Vampire. Holly returns to Cherokee City to report her findings. 
She gives evidence of how all the murders were connected and that she believes an entity is responsible for the killings and that the priority is to find the person most recently infected by it and to isolate them. This is received poorly by the police, especially Glory, who berates them all for their incompetence. The entity pushes Jack for failing to stop Holly's investigation by appearing in the form of his deceased mother and severely beating him. Jeannie invites Holly to stay with her and Ralph at their house, where Jeannie increasingly believes in the entity due to the matching descriptions and Holly's theories. Ralph is still skeptical until Holly uses a blue light against the chair where the entity was sitting in Jeannie's dream and finds the same residue found in the barn as well as fingerprints. Holly now believes the entity is shedding as it transforms into the monster that can kill children but must use a host while it is vulnerable to do its bidding. Jack invites Holly to visit the barn where Terry's clothes were found, but while driving she notices the rash on the back of his neck. Realizing her imminent danger, she tries to return to town, but Jack tells her to continue driving. Pretty good episode, honestly. I, I like this one. I, I like the meeting. I I thought it actually played out in a way that was a little more believable um, in the in the movie or the series than in the book in that there was a lot more pushback, um, it felt like to me. Like there was a lot more people just completely disbelieving what was happening. And um, I liked that. It felt more true to life to me. Like people just going, this, I cannot believe we're engaging with this as being real. Um, uh, so I liked that. And then I liked the changes there. I in general, like the changes they're doing with Jack, um, having him be sort of more involved with things. Um, I think they made his character a little more nuanced in the sense that um, he is trying to fight against this a little more. It seems like like yeah. he's not completely sold on all of it. And he's got like some he's he clearly has like some connection to Holly in a way. You can tell that he's doing it because he has to, but he's not okay with it. You know, when he's in the car and like kidnapping her and stuff, like there there are moments where he's like conflicted with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I don't really know if we got much. Conf- I th- Maybe there was a little. I think it was more sad because it was like internal monologue in in the book. It was more him being like, I don't want to listen to this thing, but it's going to get rid of my cancer if I do what it says. Right. Um, whereas in the show, it's more like f- up to interpretation or like what the audience is kind of seeing what's going on. But clearly he's conflicted. And that brings up something else I wanted to talk about. I thought the cancer angle was way more frightening and effective, honestly, in the book than what we got in the show where it was just like his mom showed up and like beat him up and tossed him around the around the apartment, <laughs> um, which was OK. But yeah, that scene was pretty nuts. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in the book, instead, we get his mother died of cancer and she shows up and she's she's sort of getting eaten by the cancer and the thing is in the shower and it tells him that he has cancer and it's eating him alive. And I don't know, it just was really scary. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's grounding in, in the real world again. Uh, I think, um, you know, this is a true crime story and like making, I don't know, not, not that that really draws any parallels, but just like the grounding of things, making things scary because they're likely could happen. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, obviously makes things a lot scarier. The other thing is that he remembers what his mother went through with the cancer treatments and all the struggling that she went through. And he's like, I never want to have to go through that. I'd rather put a bullet in my head. Exactly. Yeah. And that's just such a real fear. And I don't know, just it just I thought that was more effective. Maybe it's harder to put that on a screen. Um, Maybe maybe you know what I mean? They wanted to have the dramatic beating up scene. They wanted to have the blood on the walls and stuff when they go to investigate. 
Um, so maybe it just made more sense to go that route, but I thought that they, I kind of missed that. On the other hand, I liked him being a part of the meeting. I liked him standing up for Holly and asking and making, wanting her to go on because you could tell he wanted to know, like, what is this thing that's fucking with me? Cause I am being fucked with, you know, and yeah, like, like he genuinely too. wanted to learn about it. Oh, by the way, how about that bus wreck? Was that in episode six? Yes. It would have had to, had to have been. Yeah. Yeah. So really random right like yeah I, like i get that there's like sort of a shining thing going on and like she she's being confronted by the by the creature by the entity or whatever it is um but they've slammed into the guardrail and then the bus driver was like what the fuck why'd you come near me and then they he just continued driving <laughs> like yeah. he just was like everybody's like shaking like i don't know man i mean as long as the bus can still drive i think it makes more sense to drive than to like wait for somebody I don't know, especially if we're out in the middle I, of nowhere. But all those people, some, somebody could be hurt. I, I don't know, I guess. Like, <laughs> nah, don't worry about like that. There's like some logical f- stuff that I want to bring up as we, as we go through. All right, so episode seven is called In the Pines, In the Pines. Ralph and Alec become suspicious about the simultaneous disappearance of Holly and Jack. They search Jack's apartment and find his blood everywhere, eventually tracking Holly and Jack's phone to the same location. Holly, meanwhile, manages to trick and abandon Jack at a gas station and drive away. Jack considers suicide but cannot go through with it. Glory, after experiencing more difficulties in her first day back at work, finally decides to press charges against everyone that Howard suggested. Claude, feeling discomfort in a way he cannot explain, quits his job. When Holly reunites with the others, including Andy, who who arrives as well, Eunice shares Claude's situation with her, and she angrily confronts Ralph about not revealing it to her earlier. She realizes that Claude's relevance to the case only reinforces her theories while ralph continues to struggle with reconciling the unexplainable nature of the events later that night holly awakens from a nightmare in which jack killed her yeah and screams at the camera um to end the episode so an interesting tidbit i noticed um as i was watching the final credits just briefly it said uh teleplay by dennis lehane or i'm probably pronouncing that wrong and i was like why is that name familiar do you do you know why no i don't yeah, so I looked him up, and this is the writer of the novel that uh, Shutter Island was based on and Mystic River was based on. He's a novelist. Interesting. And he's someone that we'll probably end up covering at some point because those are two pretty big adaptations that I would love to cover. Um, he wrote the screenplay for this for this episode and episode nine. That's crazy. I wonder if they're friends because they're both like literary guys. They've written novels. Uh, you mean with Stephen King? Price. Pr- no, oh, with sorry. Price. Richard Price, the showrunner, and, yeah. and Dennis Lehane. Yeah, I think probably more Richard Price. I, but I don't know. You know, I don't know his connection. I wasn't able to find anything about it, but um, yeah. I just thought it was interesting, you know? In terms of coverage, though, like, we're talking about Clint Eastwood and Martin Scorsese directing something, so I'm sure we'll cover one of those. Yeah. <laughs> probably both, honestly, at some point. Yeah. Um, But anyway, I just thought that was fun. Yeah, I mean... This isn't. This is an episode that has a lot of this. Uh, there's a lot of tense moments in the car. Um, this is a very Jack heavy episode. Jack and Holly. I wanted to see because this is the episode you were talking about with a lot of driving, right? Yeah. This no. This isn't the one. I'm talking about. Okay. Th- th- this was more like she'd been kidnapped, and uh, that was a more tense. Like there was a reason to show the car. I'm talking about. Right. I think next episode where they're literally driving from one location to another and they pair off. Um, 
but yeah, anyway, focusing on this episode, um, I thought it was solid. And I'm just curious, like, so I read the book first and I knew where all of this was going. <laughs> but as you, right. you watched the show, did you watch all five episodes and then go read the novel? I No, so I watched four. I watched the four episodes that were out and then read a bunch of the book to like kind of catch up to close to where that takes place. Okay. To where like episode 10 would start. And then I watched episode 10 and then read the end of the book. Okay. So just what was your experience like? with this like not knowing where it was going honestly it just felt like like i i felt like the train had left the station and nobody was there was no conductor like i just <laughs> okay. I, I, like there were some of these episodes i was just like why, why? what's going <laughs> on here like i thought look i thought that the cat the, the kidnapping was pretty compelling doesn't happen in the book right doesn't happen in the book yeah. the kidnapping was was compelling and then but like it's a, it, that was like half the episode i feel like like she you know oh, she was sure. kidnapped at the end of the last episode and then by the, the halfway through the episode that happens, and then I honestly can't even tell you what happens in the other half of the episode. And I mean, clearly they're filling it with things that did actually happen in the book. Like, um, like I think the 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 moment where where Holly talks to, I'm, I'm not sure who who she was talking to, but basically it comes out that the bouncer had been scratched, that that Claude had been scratched, and like that that happens in in the book, but it seemed like. Um, that was kind of the only thing from the book that happened in this episode. Yeah, well, in the. Uh I think the discussion of the chair and like what what might be this. What did you think of that? The idea of this being sort of an avatar that is being projected and and um, it, it, did did we need all these explanations? Did I mean? I, and, and and did it did it make sense? Did you like it? What did you think of it? I don't know. I think by the end we ran into the issue that like we knew too much about the creature. I think we were potentially maybe a little worried about it in our first episode or maybe it was the second one on, on this coverage where we were talking about like sort of you know the the less we know about the creature the more the scarier it is and and i mm -hmm. think we lose we lose some of this true crime element when we start really focusing on the supernatural Agreed. and i get that that's eventually going to happen but basically we lose the true crime elements in like episode three or four like very early on and then it's like the sort of supernatural hunt for the rest of the story yeah and and you're highlighting something that i was gonna I was trying to pit biting my time, trying to figure out where to talk about it, but I guess let's get into it now. One of my overall criticisms of this story, really in both both show and book, is that it um, changes. It sort of changes what kind of story it is, and I think it's maybe easier to track in the show because it spends more time changing. But yeah, you if you watch the first few episodes of this show. It is. It has a different tone. It has a different feel than what we get into, and, and it's it's that oppressive, unknowable, just dismal um, tone changes. Right as, as soon as we start to learn about this thing, it becomes more of like we're on the hunt. It's a creature that needs to be defeated. Um, there are more. It just easily understood scenes of like one to one what's going on here. I understand it. Um, I now understand what is yeah the, the projection is giving a clear example of like okay so that's what's going on when it does these things. Um, it has the ability to control people what? in this way. Um, yeah, yeah. It really starts to define things and and that changes it. That changes the tone of the story in a way. I'm not saying I don't like it. But I guess I am saying I like it less. And that's a small yeah. distinction, but but it is one I, I, I was feeling here. Yeah, I agree. I also wanted to ask you, like, what? why is this avatar projection leaving behind any physical evidence in any way? 
to me, it was like kind of an ectoplasm that they didn't want to call ectoplasm. <laughs> I don't know. Like it leaves yeah. some sort of residue when, when it does this thing. Um, I don't know, man. I think in the book, it even says like, at one point it's like, there's a, we don't understand this and we probably never will. And I was like, okay, that's kind of hand wavy, but I'm like, you've already gone so far in explaining it. Um, I don't know why even go that far. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it leaves prints at one point too. So it's just like, it's leaving prints yeah. and ectoplasm or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it just feels like a, a point where they can say, like, oh, here's physical evidence to kind of get um, Ralph on board so that he'll start to believe in, in this sort of entity that's, that's haunting everybody here. Um, but there's something I, I feel like clearly I didn't like the second half nearly as much as the first half. Um, there's something in episode eight that I want to get to that that I did like, though. Do let's you wanna, get to do it. Move it. Yeah, let's that? get to episode eight. OK, so episode eight is Foxhead. Jack lures away the surveillance team surrounding his apartment, allowing him to break in. Retrieve a large weapons cache and drive away. Claude, meanwhile, travels to Tennessee to stay with his brother, Seal. Holly vows to follow him so he can be both protected and potentially exonerated. Ralph, Eunice, and Andy agree to join her. To evade the police, Jack murders a local fish- fisherman, who the entity currently transforming into Claude then consumes, and steals his car. Soon after Claude arrives in Tennessee, he is taken into custody by local police, who have coordinated with the investigators to protect him. Claude, Seal, and the investigators converge on the Bolton house so they can keep track of Claude. Concurrently, the mid-transformation entity travels to a local festival and attempts to spirit away a young boy to feed on. Other festival goers manage to stop the entity. However, the boy's grandfather got into a scuffle with it before it flees. Meanwhile, Alec and Howard arrive to assist with the investigation. The next morning, the local police arrive at the house looking for Claude. They meet with Ralph and Holly, showing them recorded footage of the festival scuffle, which reveals the entity to have a deformed version of Claude's face. Ralph and Holly realize the entity is close by. So yeah, I mean, the, the thing that I'm talking about specifically is is maybe less of him traveling to Tennessee and getting arrested and, and like the, the, you know, the conversations between the police and all of that. But specifically, I think the idea to have the creature desperate venture out, try to take a kid from a festival and almost get captured I think that was I, I really thought that that was that was strong stuff. And that, that scene was creepy. Seeing the entity, the prosthetics look good or whatever, whatever if, whether it's prosthetics or CG or whatever. I'm sure it's prosthetics, but it looked good to me. I, I thought it looked creepy. And um, I was always worried for the moment that we actually see the creature. You know, we've seen this sort of deformed face in drawings and maybe like a section of it when he's wearing the hoodie. Um, but seeing like seeing Claude's face deformed like that was was um I don't know, really, it was really, you know, creepy stuff. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I this was an episode where almost everything in it was added, right? Like, this is this is tons right. of added material. Um, we get the change of Claude's mother into Claude's brother, um, which I, I think I liked both characters. They, they operate in different ways for each, you know, mm-hmm. each, each story. Um, the brother obviously makes some mistakes later. Um, but he also is sort of a chaotic figure. He 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 gives this backstory on the family later on. Um, for the most part, solid. Uh, I do want to talk about the difference between you know the change in character because the the mo- mm-hmm. mom character and the brother character, the mom from the book and the brother from the show, serve kind of the same purpose in getting this family story out for us and and like letting us know the history, which I also thought was was cool and it kind of. It reminded me of like it when like we're learning about the history of dairy and there's like things that have happened 
and we can see that like historically it's played a, a role and like you know pennywise was involved it kind of reminded me like the cave-in with that sort of stuff and like the layer that it's in a lot of that reminds me of like the pennywise stuff um but yeah so what do we think of the change like like i i didn't mind the change necessarily um i kind of felt like going into the last episode and this is before i'd even read uh before i'd read the book the end of the book at least i felt like everyone was gonna die i was like holy shit i was like i was like holly's boyfriend's dead the brother's dead um i thought like i didn't think the lawyer was gonna die but um all of the like extraneous characters that i felt like were show only i I was like these people are all dead you know i the mom doesn't die in the in the story so i guess there's still like that lingering family for claude to go back to whereas like in the show he's lost everything well okay so several things to touch on there but you brought it up so i'm gonna i'm gonna hit on it um i was thinking of it a lot in this second half of this novel second half of this show and when i read the book i remember thinking like okay wait a minute we're gonna we're going to go face this creature in a cave it felt very un such an unexpected final showdown location for me um yeah out of nowhere in a book that felt like very urban in a sense like it's in these towns it's in these these small towns right um and it felt so grounded in true crime yet now we're going to descend into a cave which is a very un like most people don't go into caves i mean i know they're out there but i don't know just very reminiscent of the sewers from from it and i started to think like okay this is this is king kind of going back to the well a little bit right like uh, how are we gonna how are we gonna have a showdown with this creature well it's gonna be underground it's gonna be in its lair um and it's gonna be in a you know and and they're gonna have to venture down into its home turf it's gonna be scary it's gonna be dark and i just i I remember thinking and i wrote this down no way that this is how this the show ends i I was like there's no way they're not going to the cave (laughs) he's gonna completely reimagine this it's gonna be a different location um and i was so wrong and i was shocked at how wrong i was like wait a minute we're getting the cave and then sure enough you know they spent several episodes building up to it and i'm like they're doing it they're going all in on this cave and then even down to which we'll get into next episode the the like the the cave-in sound problem of you don't want to shoot a gun in here because all the stalactites are going to fall on our heads and I don't know, man. I was really expecting them to do something else. I was kind of disappointed that that was saved from the book because, um, I don't know. I just it, it felt a little off to me. Um, it, it felt like it, you could maybe get away with it in a book, but I really thought it was going to be kind of silly in a show. Um, and mm-hmm. I was surprised it did an okay job with it, but I still feel like it's kind of silly. I don't know. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. I know we're getting we're getting into like the final episodes, but still. Well, just to react to what you said, the the you mentioned that like it's very urban it takes place in cities it's an investigation it's detectives and then yeah we go into this cave where there's this showdown which i never thought at the beginning of this story that we were going to get like a stephen king showdown with a with a creature i thought i thought there would be a creature lingering and you know we would deal with the implications of like what it was going to do and then we would outsmart it or we would you know deal with it in some other way and you know whether it like died or lived to fight another day whatever like it would bring closure to the story um and then we get to like this like sort of like you said like it just doesn't fit in the tone of the story where we're we're dealing with this entity and then he kind of doesn't pose a threat i would say as they're going in because like you can shoot it and smash it with a rock yeah Um, and my thing was like why not just like 
shoot the shotgun like a bunch of times and like have the whole cave collapse on top of it. Well, they didn't want to fall on them too. Right. No, no, no. But I'm, I, I was thinking like run away and while you're running away, fire the gun back into the room. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know how it all works. It, it, it feels a little hokey to me though. Like I, I, I'm sure there are caves where loud sounds would cause a cave in. Like I'm sure that's a thing, but it just seems like so hyper specific and unusual. Yeah. And we had talked about how this this creature was not this primal Pennywise. It was it was more modern. Like it knew how to use evidence against people. It knew how to frame people. It understood modern technology. And so to yeah, like I would expect it to be in like a rundown tenement building or something. You know what I mean? Because like this is this is this thing lives like a person for the most part, right? Like a right. lot of the time. And instead, yeah. it, it was very primal. It was very Pennywise. I don't know. Yeah. Remember when we talked about uh, the Jack stuff where he was bringing like like deer and light lamps yeah. and stuff into the woods? Mm-hmm. And then we got the payoff of the lamp is in the cave? Yeah. How is that thing being powered? It was In the book, there's a generator. There's a generator and a lamp. No, I know. <laughs> I know, but I didn't see a generator in the show. <laughs> oh, okay. I didn't. You didn't. I assumed there was because I had read the book first. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea. I was like, damn, that's a, that's a long extension cord going all the way through the cave. And Jack is like sitting with it in the cave for like two episodes, which is kind of weird yeah. until he gets called yeah. upon. Um, let's get into it because I want, I want to touch on episode episodes nine and ten. Um, we really get into the end of this thing. I think we're getting there. Um. One thing I want to say about episode eight before we move on, um, I did like the character building moments in the car. I did like there were sort of some moments of levity, um, and I felt like it was a chance to kind of catch your breath um, and and prepare for this final showdown. Um, but I think it was maybe some of the heaviest padding to, to reference what you were talking about before. Yeah, and I agree with that. Do you think, what do you think about like the whole fox head scene though? Like the sort of So I like the and... fox head. I do think that it is incredibly convenient that it didn't kill that kid because they are wait, their plan is to wait for it to strike and then have the proof that, that Claude was with them. And I'm like, wait, so you're going to wait for it to like do a sex murder on a child? And then, he, you know what I mean? Like how could they know it would fail? You know what I mean? So it, it felt very lucky and convenient that it wasn't much worse. Because if they if it had actually killed a child and that was how they flushed it out, like that would have been dark. But it didn't go that route. Right. Yeah. Do uh, do you like the fact that we saw the weakness and the desperation of the creature? Like, do you think that that like going forward into the end of it, it made it more? Because I felt like I could buy that it was like weak and that it was like a weak creature that typically like needed to rely on like lurking in the shadows like it's not a pennywise where it can turn into this crazy shit and like attack yeah. you and pose a threat um and and just seeing it like clearly I, it probably hasn't come into confrontation like that before being caught like that um i don't know i just i i kind of like that scene a lot and, yeah. and it was like a highlight in a bunch of filler for me okay yeah and i, I do think the mask was scare inherently scary the child abduction right. brought it back to that like sort of that's a very real thing that can happen and it was a frightening moment to see the family react um yeah i mean i guess i'm kind of mixed on it but in general i do i did think it worked okay so episode nine is tigers and bears because the entity's powers allow it to access any information Claude knows, the group decides to distract him while they search for it. The investigators manage to arrange interviews with the boy who the entity targeted and his grandfather. The boy explains the entity's description of a potential bear cave, while the grandfather describes being unsettled by the entity's face seeming mask-like. 
A parallel story during the episode about a father searching for his boys is revealed to occur in 1947 when the bear cave collapsed and the search party starved to death, with the location also happening to be where most of the Bolton family is buried. The investigators conclude that that is where the entity is hiding. Additionally, while this is occurring, D.A. Hayes learns of another young boy who has been killed in a manner similar to Frankie. Ralph, Holly, Eunice, Alec, and Andy travel to the cave. Seal recklessly reveals the plan to Claude, immediately alerting the entity to the situation. The entity forces Jack into action. Once the five investigators arrive at the site, Jack, armed with a sniper rifle, shoots Alec in the head and then fires off several more shots. Yeah, so this is setting up the the final showdown. Um, we see the brother being dumb. <laughs> um, I, I was sad for the investigator, Alec, uh, to see his sort of... I loved like, hearing the backstory, him talking about his time in, in the war and how he had tasted copper in his mouth. And then he decides to overcome his fear and, and go there. And then he's the first one to die, right? Just get his head blown off. Um, yeah. Definitely it, dark. It was, like the, I think, the most shocking of the deaths, too, because I yeah. just felt the rest of them coming. Um, so seeing him go down was... was he and the lawyer, I didn't think were going to die. Yeah. Um, and so seeing him just get his head blown off, like right at the end of the episode, I was like, damn, like we're, we're potentially, oh, and that's something that brings me to something else I wanted to say just generally. I think I would be, I would have been much more forgiving had I liked the finale more than I did. So yeah. like I was like gearing up going into the finale. I was like, all right, well, if they stick this landing here, like I, I think I, I think I can say that like I enjoyed the show. It was, it was a solid show well-directed, everything. And then I felt like, if anything, the finale was the thing I had the most problems with. Yeah. So I also want to highlight another similarity to It. Uh, Jack is very Henry Bowers. Um, He is the pawn of the creature who can do things that the creature can't do. He can operate in spaces the creature can't operate. Um, Again, I was drawing a lot of similarities to to It. And again, Jack... um, in some ways is the more dangerous uh, entity in this, in this final showdown, he kills a lot more people. Um, And through Jack, this is the real danger because um, as we'll get into next episode, uh, the actual showdown with the creature isn't nearly as, as dangerous. It feels like to me, Um, I want to highlight something. This is a small thing, but it's just something that kept rubbing me the wrong way. The snarling animal noises of the outsider when it's feeding, I don't know, man. It just it it seemed off to me. It it, it, it kept making these like roaring sounds and like like I don't know. Are you they, saying that it was cringy? Or are you saying that it didn't fit that character? A bit of both. Like it, it just it wasn't okay. very scary to me. It didn't really feel real. And that creature that we had been seeing, like yeah, it had this ferocious attack on the child, but. To have it be snarling and making these hissing noises, or I don't even know how to describe them, it just felt off. Like, this thing didn't feel so animalistic. It felt much more, I don't know, like a demon or something. And It felt like, to me, it was, like, more malevolent. Like, it was yeah. more, like, like, it was, like, seeming like it had a plan. It was always co- cool and calm and collected. Yeah. And then we get to, like, this this ending here, and it's just, like, all primal and animalistic and all that stuff. Exactly. It's, like, it's, it's, it's eating animals. It doesn't really fit with, like, the early, yeah. the early, like, kind of, you know, inkling that we get of the creature, like, early on where it knows, like we've talked about, it knows how to frame people for things. Like, just doesn't seem like something you could do without premeditating it. Yeah. So anyway, that and, and we're and we're building up towards episode ten here. 
how do we feel about the cave-in in both the book and the show? Like, oh, uh, okay. do you feel like, uh, how do you, f- I like the reveal sort of, because at first I was like, what the hell are they giving us? Um, where we didn't, I, I thought it was in the present day, kind of the clothes seem kind of dated, yeah. but then we get the reveal that it was actually like this flashback that they've been building up. Uh, what do you think of that? And like, just in general, like, what do you think of like the backstory in the book as well? I, I liked it. I liked it. Okay. I think I liked it more in the book because it felt like it paid off a little more talking about the, the kids dying in the cave um, and how they're down there, like trapped in the dark. And it kind of shifted over to be more of like Claude's relatives who got trapped in the cave in um, seemed to be the focus, but then you lose focus on the children who died. Um, I don't know. It, it just, it was okay in both. Um, again, I'm very mixed on the idea of this all taking place in a cave anyway, but so, so I can't really like co-sign it completely and it's they spent a lot of time on it yeah they did it was a lot um i I, and just to restate something i kind of already said the it feels very much like one of those like historical stories we get in dairy in it like it just feels like that entirely to me right but it's not linked to the thing whereas like in it it's all about pennywise it's all about how the pennywise has always been there has always been wreaking havoc in the town this was unrelated. <laughs> this was just an unrelated cave-in to, to what happened with the thing itself. I thought I, for some reason, got the impression that, like, in some way that the creature was, like, in the cave and, like, relevant there in some way. It wasn't until I the people so. died there that the creature, like, decided to, like, sort of start living there. I guess it's because this creature travels around so I much. I think it just started living there recently. Like, yeah, it supposedly was, like, living next to the cemeteries and different towns. Yeah, right. and it moves around. Damn, so. that kind of changes. Yeah, that changes my outlook. I actually don't like that as much now because I, I kind of filled in the blanks and thought that, like, oh, the creature. This was its long-term yeah, layer. It like that. It's not its long-term layer. Yeah, no, it's it's recently arrived there. Yeah, I don't like that. And, and as far as we well, know, it was in like actual, like it was in like an abandoned factory. It was in a house. It was in these different, it was in a barn. It was in these different places over time. And for whatever reason, it decided to go down into a cave for this, for this one. Because um, of all the death and the grief or whatever. Yeah. yeah like, I, I, I get it. But, but it's just like, yeah, it does. It doesn't seem as impactful as what I was kind of filling in. Um, do you want to just jump in the last episode so we can talk about everything? Yeah, let's do it, man. Cause I really want to, okay. I want to, I want to talk about a lot about the end. Okay. So episode 10 is called must can't howard claude and seal arrive at the scene seal charges jack and is shot and killed andy attempts to drive away for help but jack shoots him as well then shoots the gas tank howard tries to rescue andy but jack ignites the gasoline killing both andy and howard when the entity commands jack to kill holly jack refuses he approaches the others begs them to kill the entity then commits suicide ralph and holly enter the cave and find the entity who expresses disbelief that holly discovered the truth about it but offers few details otherwise claude enters and shoots the entity causing the cave to collapse the entity is impaled by falling debris before the three exit the cave ralph returns to the entity and berates it witness witnessing it attempt to transform before he crushes its head with a rock eunice contacts Hayes and implicates jack and the entity Claude and the investigators, with the help from Jeannie and Glory, coordinate their stories. Hayes holds a press conference to exonerate Terry and reopen Frankie's case. In a mid-credits scene, Holly is shown to have the same cut on her arm that the entity gave to its other victims. Wait a minute, I, I didn't. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. I did. I, did, I almost didn't want to read that in the synopsis because I was wondering if you saw it or not. I will. Talk, we'll talk about that at the end. All right. I, apparently, I need to go pull this up again because i stopped it at the fucking credits man mid credit scenes always get me don't even uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a second <laughs> okay. so let's talk about the shootout um 
uh, what do we what did you think did you did you have any i guess when you're reading it what did you think was going on like as the shootout was was being set up like what was yeah. your so it's interesting because it, it it grounds it in a sense that it's like it's a it's a cop book and you're ending on a shootout right so that feels kind of appropriate mm-hmm. the idea of a sniper just picking people off is terrifying um it, it it's a dramatic showdown i did find the um in both the book and the show, the idea of him blowing up a car by shooting it with a sniper rifle is a little <laughs> ridiculous. Um, there's been Mythbusters episodes about this. It, it, it's it's not actually possible. It, it, now I feel like they tried to to they they tried to sell it a little more by having like the the gasoline spill on the ground and then he like shoots the cement and it creates a spark. In theory, that might be possible, but um, I, I'm pretty sure if you watch the, the Mythbusters episode about it, they tried everything they could and just could not get a spark that was significant enough to light the gasoline. It was just too hard. Um, incredibly unlikely. But all that being said, um, I, this is a this is a you know devastating part. We see several major characters die. Um, we see Jack struggling. I really liked how he was like chugging Jack Daniels and like crying. And this guy put on a pretty good performance, honestly, as being this conflicted character who feels like he's totally lost himself. Um, he feels like he's not a good person. And so he's able to do these things yet. There is part of him that, that is struggling. And then he has that moment where Holly sort of walks out and he's looking at her and he decides like, I can't, I can't do it. And then he gets, he, he welcomes the bite of the snake. Um, that's all a little different than how it goes down in the book. Although it is the snake biting him again, a thing I thought for sure wasn't going to happen in the show. And I was kind of surprised to see that it did. (laughs) Like you said, the trope of the, the, the explosion was pretty ridiculous. At the end of episode nine, when the brother and everybody, they were gearing up, they're like, oh, we fucked up. We told the entity like what the plan is. We're going to run out there. We're going to do something about it. Um, I was like, OK, like I could see like this could this could be compelling. This could be interesting. And then as soon as they get there, the brother gets shot dead, I think for shock value. And I think, you know, like the character had like sort of built he and the brother Claude were like very connected and like they were all they had. Um, but I feel like a lot of these deaths as people go down, I just didn't care. And, and, you know, I, I watched the show before I read the story. I think I, I think I cared about it more in this, in the book, but I just found myself not caring as much when people died. The first, the one that I cared about the most, I think was, was Alec was when Alec died at the end of episode nine. I was like, holy shit. Uh, uh, Howard, the, the lawyer, I still feel like he got done dirty, man. That was a character I really liked in both show and book. Yeah. And, um, yeah, to have him die at the end was, was sad. Um, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. The, I have mixed feelings about the boyfriend character for Holly because he always felt like weird, like it was weird that he was there for a lot of it. Yeah. Well, he was off putting too. Like he seemed creepy. Like he was like, he had something like there was something going on that I did. And I don't know if it was the performance or like he was told (laughs) that it was direction to like kind of seem like he could be something sketchy, but it was like they um, were really trying to build up this love between them that was, seemed like it was happening really fast. Um, yeah. and like, it was like, I, we're, we're soulmates, you know, and it, it really was telegraphing like this guy's going to die. <laughs> yeah. And I got to talk about the moment where Holly runs out and like, she's like, go to hell or whatever, like to something, the, the writing in episode 10, I felt was, was some of the worst in the show. And like that, that, I don't know, that was a little, like, it didn't hit me all that well. And then we have, we have him like shoot himself after all this stuff, like 
why didn't he just shoot himself before doing right. all this th- before killing everybody like it's just like the committing suicide at the end was weird like i i could understand if like he died of the snake bite or whatever um in you know maybe he killed himself because the snake bite was going to kill him anyway but I, I don't know it was a weird thing to have him kill himself in the show because i think in the book he just he ends up getting killed by i think it just plays out better because ralph ends up killing him in the book yeah say ralph and i think him. i prefer that I prefer yeah. that by a lot. Well, I make, and, and agree. It's like that thing of like he just wasn't able to kill himself. Like he didn't he didn't have it in him to commit suicide. So it would make sense that he he instead gets shot by Ralph. Like he sort of he sort of does commit suicide, but he, he's forcing Ralph to shoot him, and that's in keeping with like if he could have just shot himself, why didn't he do it when he was in the forest earlier where he had the gun in his mouth? Um, right, and he almost did it. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess I was okay with it. It's, it's, you know, he looks fucking grotesque when he walks out and he's like all swollen up and everything from the snake bites. Yeah. Speaking of which, like from the time, like they, the, the prosthetics department probably had so much fun with this guy. Cause they were just like, he gets his ass beat by his yeah. like imaginary mom or like by the spirit yeah. of his mom or whatever. And he looks like shit after that. And he puts makeup on, which is like more, more, you know, like makeup and prosthetic stuff for them to put on. Uh, and then, you know, Holly tells him to take it off and he gets like, he's all fucking sunburnt and like, he's got that nasty shit on his neck. He's yeah. got the rash on his neck. He's got like, then he, then he gets bit by a snake. Like, he just like that guy <laughs> yeah. got fucking messed up. Um, and I think it's effective for, for the show. Yeah. And I think he puts on a good performance too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I do. I think so too. And I think so, honestly, for the most part, everybody put on a good performance. Um, nobody specifically, there were moments where I was like, Ooh, maybe bad dialogue, whatever it is. But I think, I think every there weren't any characters that or any actors that I specifically was like oh I don't like this performance I don't think yeah so let's move down into the into the cave because I, I have a lot of thoughts here this creature doesn't really seem to use the powers that it has in the final confrontation and that kind of bothers me um, mm-hmm. it has okay so think about the the entity we saw in the barn. When Jack first encountered it, he turns around, he sees it in the corner, he flips the fuck out, then it's behind him, touching him on the back of the neck, right? Like, it's it's almost teleporting. He's also, like, frozen in place. Yeah, and he's paralyzed. He's terrified, he can barely move, like, he's, it has so much power, it's, it's this thing, right? And then, we're, and yes, I guess it's supposed to be weaker, but... I wanted to see it using its full range of abilities. Keep one or two of the other people alive. Send them down in there. It should have a pawn that it immediately takes hold of. Because um, that's something that it can do. It should project itself. That's something it can do. They should try and kill it. And actually what they're fighting is a projection. Right? It's not the real thing. Um, it has these powers that it just fails to use. When Claude showed up, did you think we were going to get the old switcheroo? Like, who's the real Claude? Like, I thought for a second we were, you know, yeah, like, I'm the real Claude. I'm glad they didn't go that route because that would have been kind of silly. <laughs> Me too, but I was like, I, w- I don't put a pass on at this point. But right, what what if like one or two of the characters, or even like the guy who got shot, what if he had gone in, down in there and like somebody gets taken control of in front of them, you know, like have the projection be a power that it uses? I don't know, man, like I... I I was very underwhelmed with this final confrontation, honestly, in both books. Now, and show. are we? That's what I was going to ask. Like, like, do you prefer one over the other? Well, so there's some things I do like about the book. Um, there, I really liked Holly accusing it of being a pedophile, and it the mm-hmm. way that it sort of tried to deny it, and then she was like, "No, you know," and she like hit it again, hit it again, 
And that really brought full circle the sort of details that we got in the book. I'm not going to go into specifics, but there are some like sexualized details of this crime early on um, or details of a sexual crime early on. And um, it it sold it in a way of like, that's why it was like that. Whereas in the in the show, it was like it just completely like discarded that side of it. And it was very much more like, oh, it was just feeding, you know. And it was never sort of brought up again. It compares like, oh, eating kids to eating veal and like they taste better. And yeah, uh, you know, like, and they didn't I, like, they didn't like, question that at all. Like, well, that's not all you did to that child. Right. Right. Yeah. And it it's does the, in the weird book. like ritualized, like sexual, like degradation, like crazy yeah. shit that goes on that. Yeah. Just goes unspoken in the show. Yeah. Kind of. And she's like, no, you think you're so much better, but like you're just another sick pedophile serial because killer. Because basically the, the, the entity is trying to justify it by saying like, I'm just trying to survive. And she's right. like, no, you're fucking not. Exactly. And I missed that. I really wanted that back. Um, that was a big change. Um, and, and in both, I wanted the entity itself to put up more of a fight at the end. Um, I thought it was very underwhelming how it just got shot in the, in the, in the show, you know, she beats it with a, with a, with like a blackjack thing in the, or like a sock with a rock in it or something, um, out of the blue, which felt very it to me as well. Like sort of yeah. like defeating it with like childlike items and things. Like I was like, what the, what, when was this being set up? Like, yeah, no, it felt very it. I agree. And then, uh, can we talk about how it takes like 27 days or whatever to transform and then, like, right when he's about to kill it, it transforms, like, four times. Well, it's, like, as it's dying, it's, like, regressing back through previous... It, I think it was explained right. more in the book. It's, like, it shows a lot of previous faces that it had. And then you see, they actually see in the book, and this is something that's really hard to put on screen, it, its final face is, like, the most forgettable face you'll ever encounter. Something you would see in a crowd and never remember. Um, right. And that's hard to put on screen. But, like... Um, I don't know. I, I I guess like it was the shedding of the masks uh, moment, and and that's what they were trying to convey in the show. I think a little bit there, um, but maybe mm -hmm. it didn't work as well. Because like you said, you're like, wait, what's happening? So another question. Oh God, I've I've two big ones. First of all, okay. uh, as he's walking out in the show, Ralph sees like the he sees his son, and he sees yep. I think the older Peterson boy. Yep. Why? Okay, so were you supposed to think that the entity is doing that to him? Because if so, it just it just red flagged to him that it was still alive. No, see, I, I got, this is what I was talking about with the widening of the like, oh, there's so much more going on in the universe than you can ever imagine. I think those are supposed to be helpful ghosts that are that are okay. communicating with, with Ralph at the end. Why, why Frankie Peterson's older brother? Well, because, because of the crime that happened to Frankie yeah, Peterson. Yeah, and he killed him. He killed him. So if you're going to haunt yeah, anybody. Right, right. And I get that connection. But I just mean, like, why <laughs> Why not? Like, why not Terry Maitland? You know well, what I mean? Like, also, why yeah, not? why not Terry Maitland? Uh, too expensive to get Jason Bateman back. That would be my <laughs> answer to that. <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I know I know what you mean. Um, kind of just because we just said Jason Bateman's name aloud. I, I don't want to shit on the performance we got. But the t the Jason Bateman version of The Outsider was way more scary to me than than what we got with this guy. Um, yeah. I don't know. There was just something, something just in that dead stare he gives that child that felt lacking by this animalistic, desperate version of what we got at the end here. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't want to completely blame the actor. Part of that's probably directing. Part of that's probably writing. But um, I missed that version of The Outsider. Yeah. And then basically, I think one of the biggest things for me that I think is like, I guess it's left up to interpretation. But to me, any way you interpret it doesn't really make much sense. Um, There's a moment where... Ralph says to Holly like something about Terry. He's like, yeah, but something, something Terry Maitland. And then she's like, who's Terry? Do you remember oh, yeah. this moment? I do. Yeah. What was that supposed to represent? That's my question. I, I have an idea of what I think they were trying to go for, but what are they talking? Clearly she was brought in to investigate Terry Maitland and like the, all the stuff that went on. So why would she say who's Terry Maitland? I don't know. Maybe she's trying to imply like he's no longer a murderer. So he's no longer worth being highlighted in that sense is a i don't know what what's your what's your theory my only thing that i can think of is like there was like there wasn't anything said specifically about like oh we're gonna lie to the cops now and be like dirty cops and like set all this stuff up to to represent like what our our version of the facts so mm-hmm. that so that you know terry maitland gets off free and all this other stuff but what um they're more manipulating the cops than lying to them <laughs> well i i want to talk about that in a second too um because so she she says who's terry maitland and i think she's saying like you know like it's like her way of saying like yeah they're gonna they're gonna like reinterpret facts and all these other things so that like it's like it's sort of like saying like oh like we never had this conversation and somebody's like what conversation like that sort of thing well, exactly I think yeah, is what yeah, they yeah. were getting at but but i think that's what they were getting there's at. not enough context there for, for the audience <laughs> i think to understand if it's a weird moment um yeah, and the other thing i wanted to talk about was um with the way that this ended and maybe it's the book as well but i feel like because they you know because they weren't going to reveal that there was a creature because they had you know nobody would believe it i totally understand that and it's the real world and all this stuff but the fact that they did all of this means that all those other people that were framed by the creature have no justice they're still stuck in jail or they're dead people think they're murderers and they always will be you know what i mean and like it's like so there was no closure for those characters um because they decided to just be like oh we're just gonna make it so that terry maitland skits off scot-free and we don't get implicated on anything crazy right um i I think that's a little bit more of a problem in the show than in the book um because you introduced that woman character who was in prison for a crime she didn't commit um and that that holly went and met with that didn't happen in the book so um and and i think everybody who was implicated that we know of is all dead so right you know what i mean but yeah, they're not we're, they're not really clearing like they're not clearing Heath's name. They're not clearing right. anyone else's name. They're just clearing Terry Maitland's name. That's a good point, but I mean like there's there, I guess there's a limit to like how much they can do, you know what I mean? And like realistically do. It, and I feel like you get we get more justice than I was even thinking we were going to get. I you know, I was we do get justice for Terry. We get his name being cleared. You know, it feels a lot better for his wife and and, and the family at the end. I feel better for them. So I guess in that sense, that that was nice. I do want to mention the dead boy that we hear about through the district attorney. And he was supposedly killed in a very similar way. Um, And then that's kind of just a dangling thread. And I thought that that was the only dangling thread of like, there might be another one out there that we got. Um, But apparently there was a mid credit scene I totally missed. But um, 
that and I kind of like that. It was like it was like this dark thing that happened, and then it wasn't really addressed again. And it wasn't until I was thinking about it later because it was in the previous episode where I went, "Wait a minute, wasn't there a, like a child that got murdered, and it was supposedly in a very similar way?" And then that made me think, like, "Oh, well, everything was sort of rosy at the end. Yet there is this other outstanding murder that implies that maybe there's another one out there active." I think leaving it like that is fun and interesting. Um, I don't like what they did with the show with the mid credit scene. So I get that from the standpoint of like, that's the sort of like mystery element that they want that King wanted lingering. But I don't know. We'll talk about it when we get to the, the mid credit scene. No, go, I, go ahead I and mention it. Go ahead and mention it. What happens in the in, in credit scene? First off, start with that because I didn't see it. So, so Holly is sitting on like her bed listening to music, which like we've clearly heard she doesn't listen to music. Which right. is like signaling to some people, like, is this already a, like another version of Holly? Is there already oh. a second one out there? Um, and so, or at least to me, maybe I'm just reading too much into it. But basically, uh, she gets up and she's like brushing her teeth or something. And we see that she has like a cut on her arm. Oh, I'm sorry. While she's listening to music, she like reaches back and like thinks that she has like the mark on her neck or something. And she's like freaking out and like gets a mirror when she's like by the sink and like looks at her neck and sees that she doesn't have the welts and stuff on mm-hmm. her neck. Um, which is like, oh, she's okay. But then she also has a scratch. And then honestly, that's kind of it. When was she scratched? I think that's the main thing is like, if it had been shown in some way, I guess I would have understood it. And even then, like if it's dead, what does it matter? Can it change into her even though it's dead? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's like, maybe there's, yeah, I don't really understand what specific, I think it's just like the, ooh, what if she is? What if she's, So what if there are more and what? It seems like it's trying to tie it to the book thing. She could have had a cut on her arm from the cave-in. She could have had a cut on her arm, you know, like, she stabbed the thing, you know, when she stabbed it, like, in the chest with a knife. Yes. Oh, well, I thought for sure she was going to slice her fucking hand open with the way she was holding that knife, but anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, so I think this is trying to tie it to the way the book ends, which is with the worms. So that's something we didn't get in the show. In the book, there's these worms, and they kept talking about the cantaloupe, and it was similar to that. They bust open the head of the, the creature at the end, and all these red worms come out and start wriggling around and like they they all have they both have nightmares after the fact that like one of them got into them and like got into their skin and then they like think that it's like that's what that creature actually was was these worm things and um i can see having nightmares about that and thinking that like one of the worms got on you cuz they kind of scattered everywhere and I think that's what they're going for with the scratch like they were trying to do that without having to like maybe do all these cgi worms or something um, mm-hmm. what, did you think that that was more or less effective in the book? Uh, definitely the book. Yeah, for sure. The book. I also wanted to talk about this idea of the mid credit scene in general. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the, the main thing is like people look at it and they see like, Oh, what do people talk about? The last thing that happens in, in anything they talk about. And if it's teasing like another season, you know, like stranger things has done it. Clearly the Marvel movies have done it forever. Like it's become a thing. And I think you have to be aware of like when to do it and when not to do it. If you're a Marvel movie, of course you're going to continue to do it because it's like your calling card at this point. If you're some random TV show that has source material that I, it just feels weird to me to, to have a mid credit scene for the sake of having a mid credit scene. And like, at what point is it like, are you having people roll their eyes rather than, you know, rather than actually talking about the mid credit scene? I don't know. I just think it's like, a, it's kind of a product of the time right now. Yes, it's it's like leaves people talking about it kind of, but at the same time, like it makes it less interesting to me sometimes when like things don't have like a finite ending because it seems yeah. like you're like 
but maybe there's more to the story here and like clearly there's not well, it, it, it's it's a it's almost a tropey thing to do in horror at this point and like i called it it's called an it lives ending it's it's a style of ending where you show that maybe the thing that you thought was defeated is not fully defeated and that's like a very common way of ending a horror story um and that comes back around to what i was saying like this this show that felt so different has really solidly landed in this creature horror it's like such a creature feature at this point you know um and i don't know it's just kind of disappointing like i wanted it to be more unique in that sense um but i got i got two more things i want to talk about one of them um a simple a simple statement holly makes she says an outsider recognizes an outsider or something like that an outsider knows an outsider so she's likening herself to the outsider and it calls into question, like, oh, is she actually the outsider that this whole title was about? What, what did you think of that moment? Did you like it, or was it? I don't know. It wasn't in the book. Um, I, no, I did like it. I thought it was. I thought it was cool, and I also kind of drew from it that she was saying, like, yes, I'm similar to the creature, but like, you were an outsider because you were dealing with grief, and I'm also an outsider, and like, we are outsiders together that have kind of like found each other. I don't know oh, if you with, felt that with as Ralph. Much. Okay, with Ralph, like maybe like he was an outsider based on like kind of like his beliefs of like believing in things not believing in things and like he was an outsider okay. and she's an outsider because of the way that she was treated and that sort of thing growing up and how she's different and then like they found each other and i don't know there's like kind of a double thing there for me maybe okay yeah i could see that um i, I guess i didn't really know what to think of it i just i just ended up writing it down because i thought it was noteworthy that it was something they added here um it felt like they didn't really know how to handle holly's character um because in the in the book she has so much baggage to this other thing and in the show they can't do that so they had to like invent a lot of new stuff to explain her um and this was a way to do that i think to put a sort of a cap on that um but it does lead me into what uh you know something we've noticed um in a lot of the king projects i don't want to name particular ones because it's a spoilers for, for those projects but in general, it seems like King really favors what I would call hopeful endings in his horror. Um, usually the evil is defeated and we're left with a sense of like the world is being brought back to, you know, the right way. Like it, things have returned to normal. There's a, there's also often a hint of like some sort of supernatural force for good. We get that specifically spelled out in the book that we don't get in the show. Um, and other than one of the projects we've covered that didn't end that way. Um, for the most part, that feels like that is his preferred ending. It's it's definitely a choice, and it's, it's a thing that I think, you know, as a horror writer, people are going to have to decide as you write your horror stories or you write a horror novel. Like, do I want to end on this hopeful note, or do I want to end somewhere similar to the place I began, where, like, everything is bleak and everything is hopeless and dark and, um, you know maybe maybe there's like a slightly difference maybe like maybe like some effort has been made in in the in, in, to go one direction but ultimately it's hopeless um it's like what what's the story you're trying to tell um i i feel like the happy ending maybe has more broad appeal um but horror horror diehards might disagree with that i don't know what what are your thoughts on on horror endings in general I mean, that's what I was going to say is like this sort of I, I think the happier ending, especially in King's case, I think like tends to be why his books are super readable for people, because it's broadly it's it's fairly broad, you know, well written, clearly a genius author. And like he he's able to like do this, these happier endings. And then I think it makes it so that people are left with like a good taste in their mouth. Yeah. A broader audience is left with a good taste in their mouth. 
Whereas like if it was if they were always bleak and they were always tough to get through, I think people would maybe see this the novels as like more daunting to take on and like maybe it would weigh on them a little more. Um, you know, personally I think a mixture of the two is good. Maybe not always happy, maybe not always bleak. Um, you know, I think the more effective and shocking ones are probably the the ones that don't end well but at the same time like there are times that there'll be characters that i'm just like oh i want i want to see them make it through this you know i want to see their growth i want to see them become a different person on the end or other end of this and when you die or you know that's typically what i think of when i think of a bleaker ending is like somebody like somebody major dies somebody dies that's the end of their existence they can no longer develop any further so you know thinking about like what happens after the story is is also there for for a happy ending sometimes too and like you said this one's almost like borderline because is there something still out there is lingering well yeah and then there's also the idea of like a pyrrhic victory like at what cost you know what i mean like you've you've won but so many people have died um and you could say that that's what's going on here but i still feel like it's an overall happy ending (laughs) um we get terry maitland's name cleared we get them um uh, you know ralph and his wife connecting in the in the graveyard at the end and feeling hopeful about you know life moving forward and that leaves us feeling hopeful um so and i would argue this is sort of the quote-unquote happy ending now we haven't covered like we've we've covered some stephen king for sure but we haven't read like anywhere near even like a tenth of his novels so i wonder if this holds true people who have read a ton of his novels like do you feel like he generally ends on on a positive note without spoiling anything like it, it does it seem like you if you if you pick up a king novel do you feel like pretty strongly that by the end things are going to be mostly tied up and that you're going to be, you're going to end feeling good and feeling like the monster has been bested or, or are you going in completely? Like, I have no idea how this thing's going to end because I've seen both from him frequently. And so I don't know how it's going to end. All right. So I think we're at the point now where we have to decide if we prefer the book or the show. Oh shit. Yeah. We've been doing this year. Yeah, you're right. That is something we've been doing this year. And yeah, man. Okay. I have to think about this a little bit. I honestly forgot to even prepare um you're right that is something we've been doing you want me to go first yeah so i'm gonna have you go first while i kind of think over my my position here i don't think it takes a ton a ton of explanation as to why but i'm picking the book in this case um i think that while the first two episodes of the show elevated the source material maybe even i see i i like both both the beginnings basically about the same i might give the edge to the show um, and then there are moments of highs in the show that I think that maybe the book doesn't necessarily hit. Um, good changes in the show. I think having Ralph's son be dead is like probably my favorite change by far. Um, just adds a lot of layers to that character. But ultimately, the I just like I felt that like it was much more tight. The story in the book was much more tight. I didn't feel like we were lingering too long on anything in particular. Um, you know, I think King, he picks a certain pace and he likes to, maybe it'll be like a slow burn or maybe it'll be a faster read. But in this case, like he picked a a certain pace that I found to be entertaining. And like, I didn't, there weren't any times where I was like, oh, come on, let's get on with it. I was, I was entertained the whole way through. And I, I think it's a, I think it's a fun story, maybe a little too similar to some of his previous work. Um, and, you know, maybe not paying off what I would have liked to have seen is like a legit true, true crime horror that sort of plays up on all those tropes and and like leans into the, tr- the to the true crime stuff and, and has an ending that kind of fits with that. And, you know, the shootout was close, but um, I would have liked to to have seen it kind of stay more grounded. Uh, with that being said, I'm definitely I'm taking the book in this case. OK, uh, yeah, I mean, I th- 
we've talked it through and I feel like we're on the same page for a lot of things. Um, I agree. I think the show incredibly well made. I think, uh, this director saw something in the, uh, true crime beginnings of this story and really like sunk his teeth to it, into it and was like, this is what I want to do and nailed it. And then I think sort of struggled and, and maybe, maybe didn't go far enough. You know, like I wanted to see a more transformative ending to match what he was able to do with the beginning of this show. I wanted him to stick to that vision more. And um, it felt to me like maybe a little too beholden to the source material. And so it's weird because it sounds like I'm I'm saying that the source material is where the problem is, right? And that putting that on screen hurt the show. I don't, that's not what I'm saying. The book is going to, is the better version of this story because it is King writing to his strengths, writing to the things that he knows, he knows how to do well. And he's giving you that in the book. And um, it's the purest form. Like if you want the purest form of this story, I think you read the book because that's where it's done right. Um, and I was I was wanting a more transformative adaptation out of the show to change it in a way to make it stand out. And we got that somewhat in the beginning. And then I think um, towards the end, there's a lot of padding. There's a lot of um, tonal issues. And then, you know, we've, we've, we've outlined them here. Um, I, I wanted something more from the end. Um, so because it was so beholden in, in a sense... Um, to the original source, um, it fails to rise above. So even though I had issues with both, I had complaints about both, um, I still enjoyed this book. I still enjoyed this show. Um, and ultimately, I'm going to give it to the book. The book was better. Um, we're in agreement, it sounds like, as a podcast, we're going we're gonna to say the outsider book was the superior version. Um, so yeah, this has been a lot of fun. You know, it's been another Stephen King project. And I, I feel sort of bad that we were pretty negative um, because I think a lot of people probably really love this. And if you're, if you're really bought into like the way Stephen King tells his horror, maybe this was like perfect for you. It's exactly what you wanted, you know? Um, and I, I will grant that, you know what I mean? But for, for both of us, I think we, we kind of... Maybe we, we got into our own heads about it too much or something, but we were expecting something different. Um, we were hoping for something different than we got. Um, so that's why there's, you know, you, there's been a lot of mixed <laughs> commentary here. Um, I hope we highlighted the things we liked enough, um, especially in, I think, in our first two episodes on this stuff. You'll hear a, a lot of the things we were really, really enjoying. Um, it just didn't quite stick the landing for us. Um, but yeah, I, I am looking forward to covering more Stephen King. If you guys um, are starting to get a feel for like, Hey, it seems like you guys like these things about Stephen King. <laughs> um, if you have any recommendations for Stephen King projects that you think we in particular would really like, you know what I mean? Like, let us know, because I'm, I'm curious. I don't know where we're go going from here. I know we're going to cover more Stephen King in the future, but what that looks like, I really don't know, because there's so many options. He's got the Shawshank Redemption. He's got yep. the Green Mile. You know what I mean? There's a lot of the stuff that we there's can, lots, that we can dig into eventually, so... I'm sure that I, I know for a fact we'll be covering more and something that's misery, you know, <laughs> uh, misery, you know, the stand, the, the stand. Yeah. Cujo, uh, Carrie at some point we got to do Carrie as his first book. Oh yeah. Uh, so many, yeah. so many, we're going to get, we're going to get to more as far as like what order we're going to go in. I don't know. Um, and I'm going to be really curious to see how, how my feelings on King continues to evolve. So this week we wanted to thank a patron 
Yeah, Rebecca H. Uh, you know, she's been supporting us for a while now. I think a Stephen King fan, unless I'm misremembering. Um, so hopefully she's listening to this. Shout out to her. If you want to become a patron yourself, definitely check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash inktofilm. Find out what kind of bonus content we have on there. We do a bonus episode every month where we talk about something new, you know, whether it's adaptation adjacent or something else. Um, recently, we had a discussion where we, we kind of touched base on, like, how we feel about adaptations in general and how that's changed over the last few years of covering them. Um, so if that sounds interesting to you, definitely check that out. Yeah, and thank you again for being a patron. If you would like to connect with us, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all of those at ink to film and make sure to join the Council of Inklings. We're actually going to be posting a poll. It's currently, I think it's over now, but basically we're posting <laughs> when a you get poll. This, yeah. when, you, when you hear this, it's over, but we've posted a poll um, we are going to be picking a fantasy project or a few and our everybody in the council will be voting on it. So um, if in the future you wanted to be involved in that, please definitely join the Council of the Inklings on Facebook. We post all kinds of different adaptation news as well. Anything we see that could potentially be a project in the future. Absolutely. And if you like this episode, please let us know in the form of a rating and review on whatever app you use. Um, we are hovering at 69 uh, reviews on our on our Apple's. Yeah, on our Apple uh, nice. uh, uh, page, and it's funny because we just got a new one, and it bumped up to 70, and then I, I looked at it today, and it was back down to 69, so I don't know what's going on, man. It's like Apple is like they want us to stay at 69 reviews. I don't know how many it's going to take to get us over the hump, but I mean, if we're ever going to get to 420 reviews, then we got we to keep going. <laughs> yeah, blaze um, it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> um Oh, we wanted to thank Ross Bugden for use of our intro and outro music. Anything else? That's going to be it for this week. Uh, we thank you guys so much for following along and um, looking forward to our next project. It is going to be fantasy related yeah. and it's going to be a massive franchise. So definitely check that out on our social yeah. media to see what we're covering. Yeah. Should, I, should we give the either, either or here? Yeah. It's either Goblet of Fire or Return of the King. So little franchises, you know. You yeah. might have heard of them. <laughs> yeah. Either Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. You know, clearly massive for both of us. Yeah. Harry Potter we realized we hadn't done Rings, any so. fantasy this year, so it's, it's, it's time. Thank you guys so much for following along. We will see you next week. But until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.